0: This is Listen Up, Home Buyers—the only podcast offering home buying advice and tips from true buyer agents. And now, here's your host, Victoria Ray Henderson. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Listen Up, Home Buyers. I'm excited to introduce my first guest for the podcast. She is an associate broker of Exclusive Buyers Realty in Savannah, Georgia, and president of the National Association of Exclusive Buyer Agents. Welcome, Andy DeFelice.
1: Thank you, Victoria. I'm happy to be here.
0: So glad to have you. First, can you tell us what is the market like for buyers in Savannah, Georgia, summer of 2019?
1: Well, right now it's very hot, both literally and figuratively, because we're in our 110 to 115 degree heat indices. Um, Other than that, we are coming off of what I would say is a relatively strong seller's market down to, Not so much a buyer's market as more of a leveling market. I think sellers are getting fair prices for their houses and buyers are paying fair prices. We have decent inventory in certain parts of our market, limited inventory, of course, in those normally very hot neighborhoods in our market. But um, it's a good time to be a buyer in Savannah. Interest rates are low. They've rewritten the flood map. So a lot of the properties that were unobtainable because of the flood zones last year are now obtainable for buyers in our market.
0: That's interesting because of where you are, I guess that flood zone map is very very important becomes a big part of the whole buying process.
1: Absolutely. We had several houses last year that buyers literally could not afford because their monthly flood insurance premium was 2 to 3 to 400 dollars a month and when <sighs> FEMA rewrote the maps in August of 2018 a lot of those properties that were in required flood zones, meaning the lender required you carry insurance, came out of those required flood zones. So we still highly recommend that our buyers purchase flood insurance, but if you're not in one of the lender required areas, it's less than $500 a year yeah. for the policy. So, well, that's good. yeah, it, it, it had a huge impact on our market.
0: So I know Savannah, um, it's very unique. I, I'm from the, the Washington, D.C. area. So we have, you know, we have new construction. We have some very old uh, construction as well, particularly older condo buildings uh, in the district. What is the, the housing like in Savannah?
1: Well, it depends on where you want to be. So Savannah is surrounded by water on three sides. So all of our new construction. It's pretty much on our west side of the county, which is the only place there's still dirt that you can build new construction on. So that area of our market that's known as Pooler, Georgia, or West Chatham um, is booming right now. We've had a significant growth in that area over the past three to five years. It was destined to become what it is today back in 2007, 2008 when the economy took a turn. It stopped, and then when things started to come back, the, the commercial lenders specifically really got hot and the builder loans were be- there and there's a lot of retail out there. So that is our biggest market for new construction. Otherwise it is very difficult to find a new home within the city limits of Savannah or even within the immediate county areas of Savannah because we just don't have any dirt left. We've built yeah. it out or we're water. Yeah. Um, so as I said, the bulk of our new construction with the exception of a few available lots in certain parts of town. Right. But the bulk of our new construction is on the west side.
0: How old are some of the oldest homes in Savannah?
1: Oh, 1800s, 17 to
0: 1800s. Very cool. Some of the
1: very, very old ones. They are very cool. They also can be a challenge when it comes oh, yeah. to energy efficiency. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's the same, I'm sure, in your market. And a lot of those homes, unfortunately, have been left in a state of disrepair. We mm. have several incentives going on right now with the city to try and get those areas built back up, but it's difficult to be the one person who's willing to put your toe in the water right? And, and see if you can get something going. We have had the benefit of the Savannah College of Art and Design who came here in the early 1980s, and they have done a tremendous amount to restore our downtown historical district to what it was, Yeah, um, but there's still a lot more to go.
0: Okay, so, uh, you know, thinking about first time homebuyer in Savannah, mm-hmm. Georgia, when you sit down for the first time, what are some of those main points that you make sure your clients understand about this process?
1: Well, of course, when I sit down with people who want to live in Savannah, they all want to live in the historical area, and they need mm-hmm. to understand that that can be very cost prohibitive. Um, so my challenge with first-time home buyers specifically that are moving to Savannah is setting realistic expectations. You're not going to be able to afford that beautiful downtown historic property at $200,000. It's just not going <laughs> yeah. to happen.
0: What um, are they basically the, running for when you're oh, talking? the downtowns? Yeah.
1: Depending on condition, they'll go well into the millions. Yeah. I mean, depending on the condition location, it just really – Savannah's kind of one of these hit or miss – Sure. You have three or four blocks of beautiful homes, and then you have two or three blocks of not so beautiful homes, and then three or four more beautiful. So it really is kind of hit or miss. Right. Um, there are other areas of town that are also historical, but not specifically downtown. That have these darling little cottages and bungalows, craftsman style, Tudor style. The neighborhood specifically is called Ardsley Park, and it's one of the most favorite neighborhoods for the up and coming young families. Um, those houses can be purchased for between 3, 350, but what you have to understand then, if you want that character and charm you're going to get a single vanity in your master bathroom if you even get a master bathroom <laughs> right. and you're going to have very small closets because you think about houses that yep. were built in the 1930s and 40s
0: back those in the day were not
1: important back then so well, not
0: not only that frequently they didn't even build closets I mean they had the um- exactly um- they had yeah, um- yeah.
1: so yeah. those are some of the challenges that I have with some, I'm working with a young couple right now that really wants to live in that neighborhood but they need a large vanity they need a large master bathroom they need walk-in closets and Those two things don't always meet. Sometimes we get lucky enough to find one that's been rehabbed, and a builder has come in, in in some cases, and done away with a bedroom in order to build this master bath and master bed. I mean,
0: right,
1: and that works well. Just it's all in what you're willing to accept, right, and how badly you want to live in that neighborhood. Yeah. those are some of the challenges I have with my first timers. Um, more than anything, is they all want to live in the cool, eclectic,
0: sure. walkable
1: neighborhoods, but the houses aren't necessarily meeting their budget
0: and exactly. their
1: requirement.
0: Right. Yeah, it's about it's about you know managing those expectations as mm-hmm. they're going in. You know, Um yeah. can do you have any recent transactions? that you've done that, that you could tell me about how working with you was particularly uh, important for your buyer client and, and why?
1: I think all of my recent transactions would down. <laughs> <laughs> I do have one. I do have one. I worked with a couple. Um, it was a VA loan. Uh, they needed 100% financing. They needed all of their closing costs paid with the inclusion of being able to get their earnest money refunded. I mean, they truly did not want to come out of pocket one single penny to buy this home. Um, they were not first-time home buyers, but it had been quite some time since they had bought a home. Both were divorced and remarried, and now living in an apartment. Um, we had significant challenges because they wanted to buy everything that came on the market the first day it came on the market. But because we needed so many seller concessions, yeah, it was just very difficult to get it negotiated. You
0: couldn't, yeah, you couldn't compete. It,
1: not with that sort of situation. So but could we finally you- did. We found one and we got the seller to agree and they closed on Friday.
0: Wonderful. And Congratulations. They're thrilled. So, <laughs> Thank so you. So talk, talk a little bit about those seller concessions for somebody who doesn't know what that is. You know, can you can you walk us through that a little bit?
1: Sure. A lot of it depends too on the type of loan that you're getting when you're you're going VA. The VA will allow the seller to pay all of your closing costs including your prepaid items and prepaid items are, of course those items that establish your escrow account, which is what your bank pays your insurance and your taxes out of on a monthly basis. Um, FHA, I believe, has a pretty unrestrictive requirement with regard to what the seller can pay. Conventional loans, depending on the loan, sometimes will only allow the seller to pay three to four percent of the actual closing costs. So when I say seller concessions, that's what I mean. In Georgia, they're not necessarily called seller paid closing costs. They're just seller's credit or seller's contribution at closing, but they are to be used toward the toward the closing cost or toward the inspection. Those types of fees cannot be used toward a down payment. And one thing that I have to make sure that my buyers understand is if we ask for $7,500, for example, in seller concessions at closing, and the closing costs only come up to $6,000, you don't get the full 70, you don't get the extra 1,500.
0: Right. Right. The
1: seller only pays what the closing cost equated to. So right. I try and be real clear with my lenders when I'm writing those types of contracts. And I do a lot of VA because we have two military bases in Savannah that um, I get a real good number to do mm-hmm. I, that I can use in that, in that blank on the contract. So there isn't any question for either the seller or the buyer, as to how much money they're truly talking about at closing.
0: Now, I'm sure you have preferred lenders that you work with, and mm-hmm. because I know we do in, in, in D.C., and you know sure. they're the people we go to that when we get in a jam because somebody's gone with, God forbid, an internet lender, um, mm-hmm. and everything starts to fall apart, um, these are the people that we call to help us put it all back together. Um, Absolutely. Do you, you have people like that in Savannah that you work with?
1: Absolutely. Three, I have three or four very good lenders that not only can I call, and I mean, I can call them Saturday, Sunday, nine o'clock at night, it doesn't matter. They also are a great source of business for me as well because they, because of our relationship, appreciate the exclusive buyer agency relationship that we have with our clients because a lender, your buyer, when you're working with a lender, You're that lender's client as well. They have the same responsibility to to you that we do as your exclusive buyer agent. So they understand that buyer-client relationship. Um, And they will refer buyers to me that walk in without representation. They refer them to me nine times out of ten, which is fantastic. Yeah. Because, again, they they appreciate the protection that Mm -hmm. I'm giving their client.
0: Right. Because you, mm-hmm. you, you uh, obviously, no dual agency, you're, you're mm-hmm. you know, 100% supporting of the buyer. Um, exactly. And, you know, talk a little bit about when somebody moves to Savannah, you know, what what can they expect with their daily commute? I mean, I know that's a broad question, but, you know. <laughs>
1: well, it, it depends on where they're going to be. But daily commute in Savannah, if we, sit, if we sit in our car for more than 30 minutes, getting home, we feel like we've been in a horrible, horrible rush hour traffic.
0: That's and I hilarious. I that you can really
1: appreciate that. Yes, I know. Um, but it is, it's true. We just really, I mean, you think about Savannah's population, and when I say Savannah, I'm talking about Chatham County, which is the county Savannah sits in. Um, there are actually four different municipalities within Chatham County Um, But we only have roughly 450 to 500,000 people in our county. Wow. Savannah proper. Yeah, we're not a very big market. Savannah city limits proper, maybe 150,000 of those make up the actual city of Savannah proper. So a commute, like I said, we've grown up very accustomed to not being in the car for very long. I can literally get from my house. It takes me longer to get from my house to the airport than any other part of town. And that's about a 30-minute drive.
0: That's crazy. Oh, I was uh, yeah. I was driving from my office in Bethesda, Maryland to meet a client in McLean last Friday. It mm-hmm. was noon and it took me 54 minutes to get there. Oh,
1: dear. Mm-hmm. oh,
0: yeah. And then on the way back, it was a little longer because, you know, it was three o'clock and that's when our oh, rush yeah. hour starts. If
1: you're in the west side of town. Our largest employer is Gulfstream Aerospace, and they're in the west side in that pooler area I was discussing earlier where all the new construction is. If you happen to be in that area when their shifts get off, when their main shift gets off at 3.30, then you could get stuck for maybe 45 minutes, depending. But that's <laughs> you just know to time it that way. Um, right. So yeah, commutes are not as important to my buyers as school districts because Chatham County Public Schools need some improvement. So school districts can be a challenge. Um, I have a lot of doctor clients that need to be within 15 to 20 minutes of the hospital. So I have to be very careful where I put them. Um, But otherwise commutes are not one of the biggest priorities that I have with my clients. It's mainly schools. It's proximity to downtown. It's proximity to the, the walkable neighborhoods that we have because we have some wonderful ones and it's proximity to the water. I mean, if you live in Savannah, Georgia, you need to have a boat and you need to be close to the water. (laughs) It's almost a a, request.
0: It's so beautiful.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a lovely town.
0: Yeah. I was watching uh, Baywatch. Um, I don't know, maybe it was <laughs> a couple years ago. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a fan of, of The Rock, I'll admit it. But anyway, yeah. um, so there he is, you know, running on the beach. And then I saw that it was filmed in filmed. Tybee Island.
1: That's right. That's, that's, our, that's our beach. So Tybee Island is about 15 minutes east of downtown Savannah. Yeah, you, that now there you will have an hour in the car if you're going out to Tabby on a pretty Saturday morning. You and everybody else you will. it's a, a two lane causeway, so you will be in your car for a bit. But it's wonderful once you get out there. It's become kind of a film mecca lately. We had, well, Forrest Gump was of course filmed here. Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil was not only written in Savannah, but they also made the movie here. Um, Bagger Vance was made here. There's a movie called Ten Cup that was made here, and oh, sure. we also we can claim the fame of SpongeBob SquarePants. Yay! Oh, um, there was a John Travolta movie that was just being filmed here about a month ago, and right now they are filming the television series, very popular TV series. They've shut down downtown to get that filmed.
0: Well, that's very um, cool. So you, so you it's know, really,
1: it's it's brought a lot to the city.
0: Sure. Yeah, that's very mm-hmm. cool. Very cool. It is. Any other topic you'd like to cover?
1: I was trying to think. I just got back from NARI, you know, the National Association yeah. of Real Estate Editors, and they were talking a lot about whether – this was one question that came up that I thought was so funny – whether you should require a home inspection when you're buying new construction. And the, the resounding answer that I've gotten when I've asked our members that question is absolutely yes. Just yeah. because you're buying new construction doesn't mean – That mistakes haven't been made. Not intentionally. Builders aren't trying to short and cut corners, they just may miss something. So, Having inspections done on new construction during the process and after the process is completed is is very important. That was one of the topics that came up when we were there that I thought was very interesting. You know, Um, we
0: we actually, uh, we've had a lot of new construction clients over the years. We do a pre-drywall inspection mm -hmm. that we require um, or that we recommend and then our clients do it. Every time that we have had a pre-drywall inspection, we have found mistakes. And again, what that means Mm -hmm. is it's before they put the drywall in place. You get To see what's behind that wall, where all the outlets mm-hmm. are, the wirings, inevitably somebody, some some, um, you know, second tier person who came through to do whatever their their job was, whether it was wiring or HVAC, they've done something that needs to be double checked. So yeah, exactly. I, I agree a hundred percent. You've got mm-hmm. to check that out uh, before yeah. you buy, make the biggest purchase of your life.
1: Yeah, I I, I thought so too, and I appreciated the fact that the journalists were asking those questions because. It makes me know that they're thinking about the buyer's protection as well,
0: Absolutely, I always
1: appreciate. So that was just one takeaway I had from the conference that I thought was interesting and I will share with my buyers. Of course, we do the same thing. We counsel them. You, You hate it. You don't hate it, it's actually the job of the inspector. But I've had buyers after we've had a home inspection done a new construction and they didn't find anything. We're like, Well, they went $350 down the toilet. Said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. You also, it was an education. I mean, any inspection, and that's what I count for my buyers on when we're talking about the home inspection be it new construction, be it existing construction. The role of the home inspector is to identify material defects. There's a definition of material defects, it's not every little nick in the wall or an outlet that might not work correctly. You've got to be real clear on what your inspector's role is so that you don't go in there, thank you, HTTV, thinking that you're going to walk away with a $50,000 credit because of all these things that are wrong with the house.
0: Yeah. Um, Boy, yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's something that, because I've had buyers literally say to me, well, after the inspection, we can come back and renegotiate the price. And I said, no, not necessarily. The inspection, the purpose of the inspection is to identify these defects and then give the seller the right to correct them. We can't go in and demand that the seller give us a monetary credit right off the bat. Right. We can certainly say we would accept that in lieu of repairs but then you've got to make sure you're getting the right kind of credit to correct the
0: And that's where that home inspector's expertise comes in handy. You know, they're, you know, I always, I, I take a lot of notes. I do a lot of videos with these Mm -hmm. home inspections because people want to know what these experts have to offer, what you can learn. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And it, and it can truly, and I love our inspectors. Again, we're in such a small sweet market. Um, Our inspectors not only do their job identifying things, but they also educate my buyers. They'll tell them how to care for their HVAC system. They'll tell them what to look for in the event something's springing a leak. I mean, they, they really spend time with them, especially the first timers, making sure they understand. Because it's it's a shocker to go from being a tenant where you just called somebody else when something broke to being the owner whether you have no one to call. Yeah. Um. So I appreciate the education and the time that our home inspectors spend with my buyers giving them those extra little nuggets of information that make them a better homeowner.
0: Yeah, I agree. Even just the little things like make sure you caulk around your bathtub
1: exactly. every,
0: every year because people will get a flood of water coming down and not understand that little tube of caulk around that tub, that solves the mm-hmm. problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
1: My, the one I love that my guy always does is don't go buy those super duper expensive HVAC filters. Get the cheap cardboard ones. Change them once a month, and they do just as good of a job, and they make your uh, your system just as efficient. It's it in the long run, it saves you money yeah. because you're not buying the fifteen dollar filter. You're buying the ninety nine cent filter. You just have to make yourself change it every month.
0: Right. Put it um, on the calendar and get it done.
1: Exactly, and get it done. So little things like that can mean such such a difference to especially a new home buyer because they don't know what they don't know, and you need to give them the guidance that they need so that they're they're. Buying what they want and they're happy with their purchase at the end of the day.
0: That's right. Andy DeFelice, Associate Broker of Exclusive Buyers Realty in Savannah, Georgia, and President of the National Association of Exclusive Buyer Agents. It has really been a pleasure talking to you and hearing your advice and your tips for home buyers. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Victoria. Enjoy the rest of your day.
0: You've been listening to Listen Up Home Buyers, the only podcast offering home buying advice and tips from true buyer agents.